0: Hey, welcome everyone to another episode of the Doing the Thing podcast. And I'll tell you what, I'm super excited about this conversation. I'm really pleased to uh, welcome Adam to uh, our podcast today. Uh, Adam's a returning guest and has quite a unique journey into entrepreneurship to share. A little bit of background on uh, Adam. He and I first met when, after publishing my novel, I was inspired to have it produced as an audiobook, and went through just a ton of research to find the right—not just voice, but creative talent and committed resource—to bring this project to life. And Adam was exactly that uh, master in everything. And I might ask you to do your Jon Snow at some point before we finish <laughs> here. <laughs> but we had the opportunity, additionally, to do some. Um, marketing work together develop a um, marketing strategy for an international client of mine Um, so it's just such a pleasure adam to have you on welcome
1: thank you so much for having me back i appreciate it
0: thank you it it is my pleasure and you know today's topic is really around international entrepreneurship and Mm -hmm. adam's been on quite a journey in his uh, um, exploration into entrepreneurship and so Adam, living in a country that doesn't speak your native tongue and developing yourself uh, and resources and um, career pathway from Mm -hmm. something in the public sector to entrepreneurship, tell us a little bit about that journey.
1: Well, indeed. Well, my background, as you know, um, was into acting. And so that's why I sort of then tried to transform it by moving abroad. I thought, how can I take this asset that I have and translate it to a new market. I thought, right, I could pitch myself as an actor here. And I actually saw something pop up on my YouTube at some point, um, which was about being a voice actor. And I thought, that's it, that's an easy transfer. I can do that from basically anywhere. And it was during the time of COVID and also Brexit. So I had the double whammy going on. Um, uh, it It was really sink or swim in that period and so i live in Trentino, which is if you imagine uh, italy is the boot right and it's kicking sicily the football at the top of the leg i think in your book if i remember it as well i'll try not to use swear words but i think you called them come f me boots i think <laughs> was the thing that one of the characters think. was wearing and basically so these like big stocking boots that come all the way up to the top of the thigh it was something like that, I think, if I remember. In one of the pivotal scenes at the end of your book, in the conduit, and so uh, I live basically right next to the top of the thigh. It's as it's as close as you can get where the mountains are. So it's a it's not particularly remote. It's um it it's still accessible by many places, but at the same time, I was thinking, what infrastructure is here? How can I make myself go forward? And as you rightly said. Um, The public sector is always the safe sector, right? That's the place that a lot of the Italians, the mentality is get in there, find a way to nest and keep it forever. And so coming here with the mindset of partitaiva, which is self-employment, is a very different game. And so I basically started doing what you would imagine is one of the other things to do for an englishman in italy or an american or a canadian or an australian is to start teaching english and i started seeing if i could get out there i made a great friend called stephen tomasi here who's half irish and half italian and he said the public sector's not where it's at the private sector is where the italians god bless them don't have the balls to be because there's so much tax and bureaucracy is crazy here that mm. you've got to really have the courage to do it so, I ventured into that.
0: Interesting. Um, and you said Stephen was part Irish, part Italian.
1: Indeed, yeah.
0: He must have one hell of a temper.
1: <laughs> he can drink, and he's passionate. <laughs> <laughs> so, yep. Yeah. Love that. It's, so, yeah.
0: you know, it is a bold step to um, leave the perceived security especially of a public sector yeah. job that so seems to be so valued. I imagine yeah. that there were some thoughts that crossed your mind. I imagine there were some um, rumblings of the stomach that occurred. Tell us a little bit about that.
1: Yeah. So one of the things that happened was after I'd worked for many different companies and the ball started to roll and I was doing it in tandem with Steve, Steve was handheld me at the beginning of my journey and then sort of said, You can do this. We have a joke, a running joke, that he's the Eiffel Tower and I'm the Schmeifel Tower. Like, if Steve's (laughs) not available, I'm there. And then I've sort of developed my name in my own rights now, where I'm sort of being interviewed by different companies. And the the thing is, obviously, with the private sector is we have an objective. It's what do you want to achieve? And I will create the program to make that work. And there's lots of government-funded courses that look towards that model as well. When you go and work in somewhere public which to be honest with teaching would be a school you have the security and so what i had here for a while was i worked um at a a school that was about half an hour's drive away so it still took a commute um and i worked there 18 hours a week the problem was is that it was 50 minutes for a lesson and those 10 minutes at the end of each lesson were considered paid for so you then had to do it as extra work. So you hadn't finished. You had to find these other courses to take. You had to teach other teachers. And we have Concilio di Classe audience. It's like meetings about classes and parent-teacher meetings and all this extra stuff. Emails were written into the contract. You must spend at least an hour every day doing emails. So it basically never ended. And I was looking at the stipendio, the salary, and thinking, I'm being a mug here. I'm absolutely being taken advantage of, and so are the rest of them, because we've signed a contract to say, please give me security. And one of the main things that goes with this as well is that the Italians have to go through a very specific program. They finish their years of training, which is, I believe, three. Then they get put for, um, I think it's two years in whichever schools that they are seen fit. It might even be a bit longer can't remember exactly where it is. Might even be five years, but they have to go wherever they send them half an hour this way, half an hour that way. But it will be within the county, the region. Then they do three years at the school that they they finish at. And only then can they choose to move from them. So I worked it out. It's about eight to 10 years in total of trying to get to this one spot. I was lucky because they decided to use a madrelingua, a mother tongue, to teach business English, which I'd been teaching for other, um, other companies. And obviously with the company, at the end, I send a fatura, I send an invoice, and it gets paid, bish, bash, bosh, all done. With the school, you have responsibility. And so I then couldn't give up the partitaiva, the self-employed work, whilst doing the public work, because it didn't give me enough overall. So I was faced with this tough decision, I have to give one of them up. And one of the things that happened in the meantime is I'm with a beautiful Brazilian woman now, um, called Brenda, and she is now pregnant. So my baby is on the way.
0: Congratulations.
1: Thank you you so much, my friend. Oh, thank you. Uh, Gracias. (laughs) So, um, oh, did you say, was that Portuguese? Or was it Spanish I don't that you said?
0: Portuguese or, or Spanish? I think it's Spanish.
1: Okay. Obrigado or gracias. Either way. Oh, um, <laughs> so she'll, basically, that was it. I follow
0: a, muito Portuguese.
1: Wow. Piu de More than I do. Um, <laughs> gonna, so the thing is that with this was a huge sort of weight on my decision as well, was with our baby, I needed to be more present, right? I want to be a present father. And if I'm traveling half an hour each time, And at the same time, I then have got all this work. What am I going to be doing? Having my baby on my lap while I'm doing all this extra work that I'm not being paid for? I don't think so. So I made the big decision. And also, it was affecting my health. This was a huge reason. I spoke with the dirigente, the headmistress, and I said, I'm in a sticky situation now. I'm not sticking, but also a very fortunate situation that I'm becoming a father, but I'm incredibly stressed. I'm losing hair as I'm losing sleep because I can't find all of the time to do it. And so I said, I I need a smaller contract if possible. She said, it's impossible in the public sector. It's 18 hours or nothing. So I said, then I'll take nothing. I'm so sorry. And I had to abandon the school, something I didn't want to do. And of course, the students mid-programme. I'd already worked there for a year and I basically did a term into the second year. That first year I worked without any extra work and I made just about enough. Then as soon as I'd let go, because I'd kept all of this freelance work going at the same time, I noticed that it started coming in more. I advertised myself well. I started pitching myself towards other companies and I now make more. I'm less stressed and I'm actually doing less hours because of all the extra work I wasn't being paid for. If I'm doing work now, you pay me. If you don't pay, I don't play. And it's as simple as that.
0: You know what, and first of all, again, so excited for you to begin this parenting journey. Me being on the other side of it with grown daughters, everybody out Mm. of the home and uh, living independently. Um, I remember the days of, you know, when the baby comes and you start to think, What is that life going to be like? And how can I be the right mentor and guide to this person that I co-created? And Mm. by the way, if you were going to pick a culture, um, my wife is from China. So certainly that's a great choice. The second choice would definitely be the Brazilian culture, the Mm. fechuada, the music, the Samba, just the passion of the people. Um, Mm. I had the pleasure of traveling to Brazil 16 times in my former role and Behind me, if you can see that, that's Rio de Janeiro. Huh. Yeah. So that tells you where my heart is. Um, wow. You touched on so many important concepts. And for those of you listening, um, right? And if you are locked in a corporate role hmm. and you're completely happy, you have work-life balance, you don't come home stressed, you're not making um, sacrifices, you're earning what you want to with a clear vision towards the future, you can probably tune out to the rest of this conversation. But I would say that based on statistics, 75% or more of the worldwide workforce is at some variation of stressed to highly stressed, to frustrated, to angry, with regard to their current situations. So Adam, let's come back to Steven. If you didn't have that mentor in place, do you think you would have taken the same steps that you've taken?
1: interesting question potentially not i think sadly what i might have done instead is i would have seeked employment somewhere else and i would have become maybe trapped maybe my entire experience would be different hmm.
0: and what was it that you know let, let me back up a step in the coaching work that i do i become a mentor as well and i help people explore Possible career paths outside of traditional corporate kinds of roles. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that can seem like a wacky concept. When I first share it with people, they're like, are you crazy? Have you looked at X, Y, Z? And I had a friend who owned this and they did that and all those other things. Mm -hmm. I have to imagine when Stephen first was saying to you, listen, self-sufficiency is right for you. Private sector is right for you. Did you think him crazy at first?
1: (laughs) Absolutely. Yes. My first question, as I'm sure you're probably in line with as well, is, is there enough work? That was what I wanted to know. Like, are there enough clients for both of us to do this? Because you've pigeonholed yourself. You found a niche. Is there enough space for me in that pigeonhole? And he basically said, I'm overflowing with work because they come to me. I need a second. I need someone to give the overflow to. And so at the beginning, it wasn't like little pieces. He still said things like fake it till you make it. You can do <laughs> this, go study. And I'm going, okay, I know that I can and I will do everything I can to be able to, to do these courses. But at the beginning, my biggest fear of course, which is slightly different from the rest of um, entrepreneurship was just the language barrier, was do I know enough Italian to be able to explain myself well, if they ask me in that order? it arrived in time and I found my way through. So I guess a huge part of it when it comes to being self-employed is it's very much just go do it, get out there, try it, especially if you can have some support, if you're able to have something that that gives you that chance to do it. And that could be even working part-time in another place whilst you try and get it off the ground. Like look at your costs, where are you spending your money? If you wanna be self-employed, but you need something coming in, Get just a room in a bigger flat, in a bigger apartment, as opposed to an entire apartment to yourself. Work at the Circle K, 7 wherever it is, part-time, and use the rest of your time to hone your skills. And one of the main things I heard as well was, you've got to be really good at your basic job. So my main thing that I tried to do was make sure that I knew what I was talking about in the realm of teaching. Then I started thinking, where are the gaps? Who should I aim towards? And of course, with companies, you then go, OK, I could pitch everything towards small businesses or where is the real money? Money now is in things like biotech, for example. So I go in and I say, I can make your company better by becoming more fluent in English. This is the program. It's not going to show results overall forever but it's going to show an immediate result and you'll be able to see it and then we can continue so it's securing work into the future as well for both yourself and the company because it's a win-win situation their employees speak better english so they do more international sales and you yourself continue your career and you get your name out there
0: bloody brilliant as you might say being a a brit expat (laughs) and um you know what i love about this story is when you consider leaving the quote unquote security, mm-hmm. whether it be a public role or a role within a company, when you first have that thought, like, I wonder if I can do something different. The first thing that usually happens is a rumbling in your stomach and a fear factor to say, yeah, but can I, is there really enough business, as you asked yourself, mm-hmm. or can I really succeed and replace the money I'm currently earning in this quote unquote safe role that I I currently play. Mm -hmm. And those are really fear-based questions that get replaced by good information. So when Stephen's saying to you, hey, you know what? I have so much overflow work, Adam. It's not a question of the work. You then started to say, okay, the possibility is there. Mm -hmm. Where are the value gaps? What can I bring to this equation to create a multiplier beyond the base level services, which you made yourself good at? But how can you explore the value you provide to others that not everybody can bring? And that is just Mm -hmm. critical to success. Um, Mm -hmm. So I love that story. And I also love the fact that, you know, we advocate what we call ILWE, which is to me an awkward acronym, but it stands for income, lifestyle, wealth, and equity. Nice. So many times people focus on two of those four. Usually it's income and wealth. And they sure. they translate it to job security and 401k mm-hmm. or whatever the retirement plan might be, but really, are you building wealth in something of your own, as well as gaining equity in that position? Is it a scalable? And most importantly, does it give you a chance to enjoy your life, to be yeah. stress to be there and present for your family, which you'll need to be? Those are all questions you ask yourself.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think as well, talking about this idea of like a pension plan and moving towards something, I've seen statistics recently that especially in America, they're saying that like the dream of owning a home is starting to slip away. And so all of that extra income is probably going to be spent on travel and experiences, which in many ways is then great because people are living in the moment, but you still need something for tomorrow. And so for me, it's always been this sort of concept of being a bit of a Swiss army knife of a person. How can you make sure that you're always doing something? So I've always kept in tandem these two things, which was the, we'll we'll call it in the realm of acting, including voiceover. I kept it there. And then I kept the English teaching. And so there are times where it ebbs and flows. Some of the work is, it's concentrated, for example, an entire month could be more about voiceover work. And I've got some lessons going on. And then there are other months where it completely flips. And so for me, it's always this concept. It was actually an old friend of mine who, bless his heart, he never actually abided his own rule. Um, But the rule was, if you see a door open, walk through it. And so I'm always of the mind of whichever one opens, that's where I go. And with the advent as well of artificial intelligence, which I'm sure has come into play a lot throughout your podcast as well, is what happens if this job suddenly stops? So I've then brainstormed and thought my way through. If, for any reason, they decide that artificial intelligence is good enough that we can get our kids taught in schools or it auto-translates immediately with Elon Musk's latest brain implant, whatever, where is it for me? And maybe it's therapy for the elderly. Maybe it's something that they want to use to keep their brains smart and sharp. And so I would go into... Casa de Reposo to um to old people's homes and go in there and help them learn a language as part of a health experience, which we'll always need. So I think it's that diversification and analyzing that you must continuously do if you want to be self-employed. Where are those gaps, as you said, in the market and how can I fill them? And, you know,
0: a vision for the evolutions into the future, given technology, given the globalization of markets, how do you anticipate those future trends is super important as well. This has been fantastic and super empowering, Adam. And as we bring to a close, I have to ask you to do a Jon Snow.
1: Oh my gosh, I feel put on the spot. I don't <laughs> know whether I can do him. I was trying to remember it the other day. Oh, I'm not sure. It was... <laughs> the thing is, is, obviously, just to sort of talk about the book for a second because it was a huge part of uh, of a great experience of mine was there was a part where there was that uh, drop off in work for a while from the english teaching side and so i just committed myself to doing the audio for your book and as you very kindly said i was doing the editing and putting everything together uh, myself and it was that thing of i'm not going to outsource i'm going to do as much as i can and i wanted to treat you as best as i could so we did auditions for all of the different voices and and how it would go along the way. And so I always thought of you as, as this precious resource because I never knew whether there would be more work or more opportunities. Even this is obviously something that's wonderful. And we did work together again on something entirely different, which was actually an, an advert for a, a pharmaceutical company. And we mm. shot everything out here. We came up with an idea. Um, and in fact i think my mother came up with the idea randomly was to do formula one racing and we said how can we use this put it all together we shot it here in italy we edited it and we needed to follow the rules there was a w8 ben form that i had to fill in the fattura, the invoice had to be done across the radio waves and so we managed to make it work so i think if you've got a passion and you're willing to just see what happens it's worth doing the adventure and whatever happens happens
0: Brilliant. And for those of you in the audience who may value working with a creative, uh, Adam brings a lot to the equation with voiceover, acting, um, advertising, marketing, PR, language skills, so many things. He's a multifaceted talent. So Adam, if someone listening might have an interest in talking to you about some opportunities, how might they reach you?
1: Such a great plug as well. Thank you. That is a huge thing that Phil does really well, is that you've got to help your friends because it's all about networking, right? Um, if they want to reach me, you can uh, search my website, which is my name, adampritchett.com, and you can find everything from there. In fact, I think even that's important. Try and be easy to find. That's, and that's, that's P-R-I-T-C-H-E-T-T, correct? Exactly. Adam Pritchett. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Adam.com. Adam, such mm-hmm. an honor to have you on today. Such an engaging conversation. Thank and you. my goodness, again, congratulations on the journey.
1: Thank you so much, Phil. I appreciate it.
0: Blessing.